or we started developing in Purim, I think this is the next stage. We said that the secret of Purim is Mechia Samalek. Mechia Samalek is akin to the ability to differentiate between what has value and weight and what is valueless and has no weight. The Koyachaleitzonus seeks to destroy any sense of value. So a person has everything in life is essentially flat. The Koyach Hahilu allows a person appreciation, his batlus, a sense of awe in that which is greater than I. Purim is the overturning of the Koyach Haleitzonus represented by Haman and the reawakening of the Koyach of Chashivus. How that reawakening of the Koyach of Chashivus works, that's what we're going to explore in the next piece of Rav Hutner. In other words, this is the opposite of Leitzonus. It's the opposite of Leitzonus and it's much more connected to Zahirus and we'll soon, soon see that the actual process whereby Purim became Purim is an internal revolution that we can perhaps attempt to reveal in ourselves coming up to and during Purim. One shouldn't take Purim as a day of frivolity alone. Under the cover of the raucous behavior there lies a secret of advancing in Avedis Hashem which can propel a person into a completely new realm of connection to his Creator. All the Moyadim can unlock gates to enter into the secret places of Hashem's world provided you prepare, prepare for them sufficiently and utilize them properly. Let us try to go a bit further now that we've started in the connection between Leitzonus and Purim the Chashivus and the ability to receive Techocha, criticism. We said one of the most basic points of anti-Leitzonus behavior is an openness when criticisms are leveled against you. The criticism hopes to readjust your sense of what you feel is important and show you what's truly important. A person that's not troubled by the power of Leitzonus, he can objectively input, he can take, he can, he can take in, digest what's told to him. Those who are suffering from Leitzonus automatically dismiss what's been said. Purim, says Rav Hutnin, Inyan Yud Aleph, Aleph. Purim, Yoim Ki Purim. Purim is a day like Purim. Sorry, let's put it this way. Yom Kippur is a day like Purim. Yom Purim, Yom Kippurim. Purim and Yom Kippurim. Bain be Purim, Bain be Yom Kippurim, Medabrim Oides Kabbalah. Both in Yom Kippur and Purim, there's a discussion in regard to an acceptance, a change. He's basing himself on, I think it is the Arizal that says Yom Kippurim, that Purim is a day, that, sorry, that Yom Kippur is a day like Purim. Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. Which means that Purim is the Ikar, and Yoim Kippurim is the Toffel. You compare the Toffel to the Ikar. It's a kind of what, as we've said before, that no one tells you on Yom Kippur. It only comes up on Purim. No one says in the Ila, Ah, Mamash like Purim today. 
We have to understand. We have to understand the connection. What's the connection between Purim and Yom Kippur? So says Rav Hutna, Both of them are spoken about in relation to Kabbalah. There's a receiving. Happens to be that both of them are days of Kabbalah Satori. Yom Kippur was the day when the Jewish people as a whole received the second tablets. Purim is the day where the Jewish people as a whole accepted upon themselves to keep the Torah. It says, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim and the Gemara explains, Kimu mashi kiblu kvar They took upon themselves, they maintained what they already received. And you'll see as Rav Hutner continues what the significance of these dual Kabbalah Satayas are. Bayoim Kippur hamadubar hu al Kabbalah lahaba On Yom Kippur, when you're thinking about the notion of tshuva, tshuva comprises of is comprised of three components tshuva repentance the one component is vidui confession that you between you and the abishta confess admit to the sins that you have done charata you regret them kabbalah la'asid and you accept upon yourself not to do them again there are three components to tshuva there's the reworking of the past, looking backwards, the expression in the present, and the gaze towards the future. In terms of the past, you regret. In terms of the future, you resolve not to do again. And in terms of the present, you confess as to what you have done. Just as an aside, do not for one second confuse the emotion of charota regret with the emotion of guilt. We've elaborated upon this before. But charot and guilt are opposite emotions, regret and guilt. Guilt is a negative emotion, contrary to generations of Jewish mothers. How many Jewish mothers does it take to change a light bulb? Don't worry, I'll sit you in the dark. Generations of Jewish mothers have got it wrong. Guilt is not the Jewish way. Guilt is a negative emotion coming directly from the sitra achra, the other side. And the reason is as follows. Guilt and charata, regret, both are an emotional reaction to an event that occurred in the past. The way guilt processes the event is, I did something bad. I feel awful. And then it informs me upon my present and says, you did something bad in the past, you're useless in the present, you'll be useless in the future as well. So the koyach of guilt is to suppress me and to to, to, to pressure me into inaction, to deflate my sense of godless and greatness and aspiring towards spiritual heights. And it says, you're nothing, you'll never be anything. Wallow in it. Wallow in your guilt. Stay in that quagmire and do not leave it. Regret, on the other hand, is the precise opposite emotion. What regret requires is the relationship to the past from a perspective of roimimus and loftiness. You look back to what you look back at what you've done in the past and you say, How could I have done that? That's inappropriate. That action doesn't connect to my being. How could I have slept in so late? I value I value Tfila. I value being on time, those are points of myself which are 
not being reflected by the action that I did in the past. So charota creates a distance between what you did in the past to the present and saying the act that was done in the past is not me. And guilt creates a proximity between the action in the past and says the action that I did in the past is me. Hence, guilt depresses, charata revitalizes. When a person experiences charata, instead of him becoming inactive, he becomes, gosh, how could I have done that? That's so inappropriate. That's never going to happen again. So in terms of the continuum from past to present in the tshuva process, it's almost inevitable that the charata will lead to the Kabbalah lahaba. Because since the pain of slipping beneath my madrega is so intense, I never want to experience that again. I make a firm resolve not to do it in the future. The chances of a person who experiences guilt of doing the act again are increased. And hence guilt is the opposite of the motivation which will bring us to perfection in the future. It is an anti-tshuva feeling. So. You say guilt comes, is it accurate to say guilt comes from emotion and karta comes from intellect? They both manifest in the emotional realm. But guilt comes from a midara. It comes from the middle of Atzlus and Atzvus, whereas Charata comes from a Mailasaseichel. In that, you're right. They both have an emotional component, but guilt is a comes from the part, the dark part of the person, which is his desire to be active. It comes from the desire to become passive, called Atzlus and Atzvus, Kuch Ha'afar. Whereas Charata comes from a higher place of a person, from his realization of his godless, you're right, it's from his seichel, from his das. So they're coming from two different places. Good. Is there, is there a Hebrew word for guilt? It's hard to know. The, the, sometimes the word ashem is, con- is con- translated as guilt. There's a korban ashem. I don't know what that is. In modern Hebrew, the word is Hashem is to blame. Ani Hashem means I'm guilty. Um, but I don't know what that word means. I don't know how one could. I don't know. We'll have to look it up in the context and sort its etymology, research its etymology. But in terms of the Kuchas Anefesh, guilt is a negative emotion that's antithetical to Chuva. Harat is a positive to emotion and increases the potential of tshuva. Chaimke. Oh, so there, there, there the Mephoshim say, Oshamnu means Miloshan Shomem, desolation. I've become desolate. Being, doing actions which are not productive, just like a, ha- a land which has been ravished by a hurricane is left without houses, if I do actions which ravish my internal spiritual landscape, so I'm left desolate. A shamnu is a recognition <coughs> of that. In Lashon Shomem. Shomema. So maybe they have to answer your question. I forgot about that connection. That's what the Mephoshim say. A is in Lashon Shomem. Deserted, desolate. Continues Rav Hutna. Purim Yom Kippurim. Bain B'Purim, Bain B'Yom Hakipurim, Madabrim al Oidois Kabbalah. They both speak about the notion of acceptance. But Yom Kippur, Hamadubar, Hu al Kabbalah, the Haba. 
in regard to Yom Kippur, the day of Tshuva, the discussion is in regard to acceptance in the future. Resolve not to commit the sin another time. And in Purim, the discussion is in regard to the maintenance and the receiving of the Torah. By Klal Yisrael accepting upon themselves the mitzvahs of Megillah, Mishloach Monos, Matonis Lev Yonim, and Mishteva Simcha, each mitzvah corresponding to different chalik of the Adam, the Megillah corresponding to the Neshama. Mishloach Monois corresponding to the Nefesh, Matonis Levyonim corresponding to the Momoin, and Mishteva Simcha corresponding to the Guf. There are four components in a person, his possessions, he takes the possessions and he gives Matonis, gives matonis Levyonim. There's a body, he takes the body and engages in feasting and drinking. There's the nefesh, the emotional component. He does takes his emotion, his heart, and he uses it to relate in a positive way to his friends, Mishlach Monos. And there's the neshama, the thinking component of the person. He reads the Megillah and he understands. So each mitzvah corresponds to a different chalik and portion of the person. And the Jewish people willingly received upon themselves these new mitzvahs. By implication, they would certainly keep the mitzvahs that were already given to them. So this is a demonstration of what we say, through their willingness to openly accept the mitzvahs that Mordechai and Esther decreed upon them, we saw a willingness to follow the entirety of the Torah. Now why is it so valuable? Why is it that we're suddenly looking for uh, a demonstration that the Jewish people were keen on keeping the Torah? Why, why weren't they? Of course they were... They were always keeping the Torah, weren't they? They were always obligating the Torah, weren't they? No, 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 not so clear. It's not so clear, as we will see as Rav Hutner continues. On Yom Kippur we discuss the acceptance not to err in the future in relation to the regret in the past. The Purim, whereas in Purim, Hamadubaru Rak Oidois Kabola. The only discussion is in relation to receiving in the future. Vainshum Zecher, Inyan Kharata. And there's no mention made in regard to regret. So even though the two are equated in one aspect in another aspect there is an inequality inequality sorry between Purim and Yom Kippurim Purim there's no discussion in regard to the past a regret that occurred whereas in Yom Kippur that's a focal point of the day why is that so? Oiroi shall the light of this difference is hidden Ba'uvda in the fact Kipurim Uyoim Bitu Hamaidar Rabba Lo In the fact that Purim is an annulment of the 
Meidor Rabba. The Meidor Rabba means when the Jewish people initially accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, they had an excuse that the entire acceptance of the Torah was not a binding contract because the acceptance of the Torah was done under duress. The duress was the mountain was lifted up above them and they were issued a threat by the Rebbeinu Yishel Olam. He said to them, you have two options. Either you can receive the Torah or else you can get buried on the spot. The second option isn't that inviting. That's called acceptance under duress. That's called a moidah. A moiser moidah, a person that gives a moidah, the word itself probably means declaration along those lines. A person that makes a declaration in the future about the fact that he's under duress in connection to making an acquisition, the acquisition is not binding. If a person is about to sell his house and prior to the sale of the house he goes over to two witnesses and writes them a document saying the reason why I'm selling this house is because they have threatened me and I'm, I am under duress I have no intention of making this a valid sale and he gives this to two witnesses and later on when he has the ability to retrieve the house so he can use this document as a proof that the sale was invalid even though he went through the act of the sale the act was meaningless because it didn't express his real intent that's called the Moedah hence the Jewish people when they were under the threat of annihilation at the time of the giving of the Torah that would invalidate the acceptance of the Torah as the Gemara in Shabbos says the Gemara says I think it's a rather Mikan Maidor Rabbalorisa. Here we have the greatest Maidor possible for the Torah. It's in the Gomorrah in Shabbos, Peiches. So the Gomorrah there says this. I think it's Rava. Mikan Maidor Rabbalorisa. Now, if that's true says Rav Hutna Mashma'usa shel moidah he the implication of a moidah is she ha'adam ha'meser moidah the person who gives over this document declaration toyein he claims ki ha'maseh shu asa the deed that he did loi na'aseh al yedei ha'ani sheloi ha'atzmi it wasn't done by the eye the independent eye he didn't do it rather it was done by external forces which compelled him to do it you following me? that the means that which I did wasn't a reflection of my true intention I wasn't present figuratively speaking in the transaction what would be a bitul moidah a bitul moidah would be the 
annulment of a maida is the exact opposite. Sheha Adam Hamavatel Tainus Maida when a person annuls the claim of a Maida, Mashmi Ainu, he is telling us Shehadova Hazeh Shenase Khan the thing that was done here Nasehu Dafka Mitoich Nekudas Hani Bimloiche Rusoi Hapnimis it was done with the eye with its full power of internal freedom. A maida means that wasn't me, you can't hold me responsible for those actions, that wasn't a reflection of myself or my intention. A bitl maida says even though I said that that wasn't a reflection of me, I'm regretting that, I'm annulling that and saying it was. It's tucker what I wanted all along. It's called a bitl maida. So you have a maida and a bitl maida. As we go further we'll have to see how this relates to Purim and Yoim Ha Kipurim.